to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would compel you to be circumcised, and not only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But far be it from me to glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me. And I to the world, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, upon the Israel of God. Henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brethren, amen. Peace be to you, the reader. St. John, let us be attentive. Ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. 
proclaims the good tidings and to all the people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he who causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And let us not be weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap, if we do not become faint-hearted. Those are three quotes that I put together. One was from the Gospel of Matthew, the longer one. And then a couple of brief ones from Luke and also from Galatians chapter 6, which was just maybe a handful of verses before we picked up on the epistle reading this morning. You have heard that it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I don't know if there's a harder saying to accept, especially on today's date, when we celebrate the 15th year anniversary of 9-11, where nearly 3,000 people lost their lives in three separate attacks. The greatest, of course, was on the Twin Towers in New York, but we can't forget the plane that crashed into the Pentagon or in Shakespeare, Pennsylvania, where at 10 in the morning, a plane was seen in blue skies descending, and it was witnessed that as the plane was, uh, was banking to, uh, to the left, that the witnesses that saw this were obviously fearful because they knew what was going to take place. And this plane hit the ground at over 500 miles an hour. And I think that it's important for us to take a look at some of these Realities and, and look at some of the pictures today. If you go on the internet, you're going to see lots of memorials there. A lot of photographs, a lot of video clips, uh, memorial services. And as I was taking a look at some of those, it became, um, it became very difficult to continue, to be honest with you. To see what was happening on that day and the lives of the people that were being impacted. Not only those who had lost their lives, but the hundreds and thousands of people who were affected by the loss of those lives as well. It's very sobering. It's very fearful. And it's something that we should never forget. And that's why I'm just asking you maybe to take a look at that or some of those things, if you can, because it is difficult, and to offer your prayers to God for those people. I don't know where you were on that day. I don't know how close you were or if you became involved in any way. I know where I was. I know what I was doing. But it's very easy, really, to just sort of remove ourselves from those sorts of incidences. And that's not what our Lord is asking us to do. Not all of us, of course, can go to a site and actually uh, offer our help. But there were many, many people who went to those places and they were part of the cleanup. And you can just imagine the things that they saw. The things that are, to this day, etched in their memories. And it will never go away. 
It'll never go away. Almost 30 years ago, I was in a head-on car crash at 65 miles an hour. And I can tell you that the sight, the smell, and the impact, the feeling, will never leave me. That's about as close as I come to what some of those people experienced who were survivors of this. And so these people live with this day in and day out. And we can't be indifferent to what they live with. We can't turn our heads and say, wow, that was just a tragedy, and then start some discussion about some random thing. We have to sit in moment. This is why... This is why we're offered these times of silence, but I would encourage all of you to sit in silence today for just a a small amount of time, or as much as you want, and just think about the lives that were impacted and the events that happened on that day and how it affected uh, the lives of so many people. Our Lord is asking us now to love our enemies, the people that we typically would prefer to hate, and hold a grudge against and never forgive, he's asking us to love them. And in fact, and this came up a little bit in the men's breakfast uh, meeting we had on Saturday, yesterday morning, that God is asking us to do the impossible. Because it's not possible for us to, to, to do something like this. We don't have the strength or the spiritual capacity to truly love someone who hates us, and who desires our own death, and who wants to make us suffer. And there are people in this world like that. And we know of very uh, very uh, demonic-minded groups of people, barbarians of today, that are slaughtering hundreds and thousands of people in the name of God. In the name of God. And yet we are asked to love those people. And in essence, we are asked to do the impossible. So, we can't ignore our, our Lord's commandment. We can't just turn around and say, well, Lord, that's impossible. Uh, maybe someone else can do it, but I can't. But He is asking each and every one of us to actually fulfill this. And the only way that we're ever going to be able to do something so great is if we petition our Lord to have the ability to be able to do something that is so impossible. If our Lord desires for us to imitate Him, then we must imitate Him. And He showed us the way. He, he, he gave us many examples of times when He Himself was persecuted. Even His crucifixion was from those people who hated Him, wanted nothing more than His death. And they thought they accomplished that because they crucified Him on the cross and they saw Him take His last breath. But before He took His last breath, Remember what he said. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. There could have been some people standing by who said, Are you kidding me? They know exactly what they're doing. They knew knew exactly what they wanted and they executed it to the fullest. But he says, no, they don't know truly who I am. They are, their minds are darkened. Their hearts are hardened. And this is why I'm asking for their forgiveness. Asking my Father to forgive them. So he's calling us to do the same thing. 
This is an impossibility, but it's possible because our Lord said, all things are possible through me. So we have to think about this in our very uh, own lives and how this impacts us day to day. Because I would venture to say that there are very few people sitting here today in this congregation who aren't in the position where they either have something in their heart against somebody else or somebody has something against them. There's, there's uh, a little tension. Maybe there's some animosity. Maybe there's still a lot of anger. And of all the things, of all the things that our Lord says to go and fix before you come to the altar and receive the body and blood of Christ is this very thing. If anyone has anything against you, leave your gift at the altar, go and reconcile yourself, and then come back. And Father Theodore last week, speaking about the, uh, the parable of the, of the judge who forgave a man who was extremely indebted monetarily, and then he went and seized someone who owed him hardly anything, that whole thing, that whole teaching, that is a profound teaching, people. We have to take that teaching and others like it when our Lord speaks about mercy, forgiveness, and compassion. And we have to hold on to those because in truth, that those are the essence of our faith. A lot of times we get very concerned of whether or not we broke the fast. Or if I fulfilled my rule of prayer, which, is one of the, which was really the topic, uh, part of the topic of Saturday morning's uh, breakfast group. But we become very concerned about these things. And I'm not saying they're trivial. But I'm saying the, the essence of our faith is if you want your Father in Heaven to forgive you, you must forgive the sins of others. If you do not want to be judged, do not judge people. There's a beautiful story of a monk who was a horrible monk by all standards in terms of being on time to church, fulfilling his rule of prayer, uh, cleaning up after himself. He was horrible. He was sloppy. He was lazy in the eyes of all the other fathers that were there. And there was a lot of truth to that. He wasn't a stellar example of what it meant to be a monk by any means. One day, as was one of his uh, chores, he went off to get water at at a nearby river. And a couple of the fathers were just kind of following him and just, you know, checking on him and seeing what he was doing because they always thought he was just sort of goofing off. Well, he went over this little hill, this embankment, went down to the river, and they kind of sat off to the side here, and they started to have a conversation. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. He didn't show. And so they, they got to be a little concerned. They thought, well, maybe he was swept down the river. Maybe he drowned or something. And as they began to come up the little crest there on the hill, they saw his lifeless body sort of ascending. And there was an angel escorting him. It was his soul, really. And there was an angel escorting him. And the monks said, wait, what are you doing? How, how is it that he is being taken up into paradise. He, he was like the worst example of a monk you could ever have. And the angel turned and looked at both of those monks and he says, one thing saved him. Never in his life did he ever judge another person. God does not judge him. That's how profound this is. We focus sometimes on the things that are almost secondary, if you will, and forgive me for saying that. 
What our Lord is teaching us and what is primary to His message of love is to show mercy, have compassion, and to forgive. This is really the essence. And as I said yesterday, if we can truly embrace this and live this way, then the technical things of how many Jesus prayers and how many prostrations and all that stuff really would mean nothing. Because all of that is is sort of a means to help us to attain this place where we really humble ourselves so we experience and see how much God loves us, how merciful He is to us because we screw up daily multiple times, how understanding He is of us in in our pettiness and in our passions, and how He continually loves us and continually forgives us. And He's just simply saying, do that to everybody around you. And you'll be saved. And so when St. Paul speaks to us in, the, in his letter to the Galatians, he says, Do not be weary in doing good. He says, Even to those who persecute you, even though it's hard and it's tiring and psychologically unacceptable to you, continue to do this. Because in the end, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. And he says, in fact, if you, do not, if, if you do not grow weary in doing good, in due season you shall reap, if you don't become faint-hearted. So today is a, is a reminder of the evil and the barbarianism that still exists in our world. And it is the most challenging. It's a reminder of how challenging it is for us to be able to, to, to really live out the gospel teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it is possible through Christ. And so because we don't have the ability or capacity, then we have to turn to God every single day and and make that petition. Just like we have the petitions in the liturgy, in peace let us pray to the Lord, for the peace from above and the salvation of our souls let us pray to the Lord. All these things we're petitioning, create your petitions. When you pray, Lord, grant me the ability to love you. Help me to love others, even my enemies, the most difficult Give me patience. Help me to be understanding. Help me to forgive those who hurt me. Give me gentleness of spirit. Pray for these things. And he says we don't receive because we don't ask. So in order to do the impossible, we need Christ. And our part is to ask Christ for these things. Then we'll be able to turn to a day like today and in the midst of all, the, all the, the suffering that has occurred just from this one day of 9-11, we'll still be able to turn to our Lord and say, Lord, forgive those men for they know not what they did. Have mercy on those men. Have mercy on those men. It's hard to hear, isn't it? And it's hard to say... This is, what our, this is what differentiates us as Christians, true Christians in the world. It's the, it's the distinguishing mark. St. Silouan himself said that love, true love for our enemy, is the distinguishing mark of the Holy Spirit indwelling in a person. So we can't just be taught. It's something we have to live out, and we have to have it and hold it in here. Amen.